Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Stadium Cast. I am Lumberger, also known to the community as Amanda. And I'm Martin. You may know me as Inadequance. Today, we have Lou the Pikachu on our show. You may know her from our uh, last cast, right, in Barcelona. Welcome on. Yeah, thank you guys for having me on the podcast. So yeah, I'm Lou, or Lou the Pikachu, and I have my cat with me who may or may not cause some interference on the podcast. She likes to headbutt the camera, but she's very happy to be here. Yeah, for uh, for our listeners, I maybe will include a little screen grab that we can put on later of a, a a nice shot of the cat. But yeah, that's that's for our viewers. You'll have to watch uh, Martin's YouTube channel to to see the video version of this. Lou, it's so nice to have you on, and I mean, like, it's been a pleasure to get to know you over the cast over kind of the past year. Can you give us the background of how you kind of got into Go? Because originally you were more from the VGC background. Yeah, it actually started at the Warsaw Regional Championships last year. I believe it was November, October time, where I think the kind of European regional circuit of grassroots streams was kind of up and coming. And VG was on a bit of a hiatus because our season didn't start until January that year. So it kind of provided me a good opportunity where I've been doing this now six years as a Pokemon commentator. And so it was a nice opportunity to maybe, you know, get into a different field of commentary. And the opportunity presented itself to join the go side of the broadcast and work with some new commentators to kind of mentor them, kind of show the structure and things like that. And it turned out I really loved it. And so I keep coming back for more. So six years, you say, how, how did you how did you actually start with all of it? Do you know what? It's a really good question. And it's a terrible story. Um, I was as in I would there's no big, you know, I didn't grind for it or anything like that. I just happened to be in the right place at the right time where I'd not been trying to be a commentator. I'd never done any commentary in my life. And I got approached out of the blue to do this video series with Nintendo UK where the new games of Sun and Moon were coming out and it was basically like a video tutorial series to be like, hey, let's teach kids how to catch Pokemon, how to train Pokemon. And it was a really lovely series. And then somehow from that, I then got approached to be a commentator for TPCI and it just kind of snowballed from there really. Um, but I just think it was a case of right right place, right time where somebody came across me online and went, let's give her a shot. And then my first event went really well. So I kept doing the opportunities and it kind of just, like I said, rolled from there. I mean, I think it was obviously a very good pick. You are one of the most eloquent people I think that I know. Like what casting with you has made me personally a better caster, I think, because especially knowing someone who has a little more time in the game or a little more experience is super helpful for people who are just coming into it. For others who are maybe considering also trying at their hand at casting or just public speaking in general, do you have any good general tips that you could give them? In all honesty, do as much as possible and definitely push yourself out of your comfort zone. Even, you know, six years on, jumping into doing Pokemon Go is was terrifying at the beginning. And even in Barcelona, although I'd done a couple of Go broadcasts by then, it's still with a new meta and everything. I'm just not as quick on the beat as, you know, you guys are, for example. And so sometimes you do get worried that you're not going to have anything to say. And it's about having enough experience because you've put yourself in these situations enough times to be able to adapt to any environment, whether it's a case of, you know, there's a connection issue and we have to stall another 10 minutes or a question comes your way or a scenario happens that you don't really understand what's happening. It's about still providing clarity to the audience without sounding like you don't know what you're doing. 
Um, and that's a key skill that if you can perfect or if you can practice, it gives you so much confidence to be a commentator. So the more you practice, the more people you can work with, the more you learn. Like, again, even working with both of you, I learned so much in Barcelona, not only about the game, but from a commentary perspective as well. Like, Amanda, your humor and your puns are just hilarious. And that's something great to be able to learn from. And again, inadequate the way that you're able to apply such in-depth technical skill knowledge and break it down for the amateur audience as well as keep the more veteran players engaged is a really key skill as well so you can learn so much from everyone that you work with if you were to look at yourself six years ago Mm. and you look at yourself now what's the main difference that you see there like as a as a commentator specifically yeah have, have you looked at er, like earlier broadcasts? I like i watched liverpool from last year that was my first cast myself and i was like wow i was uh, i didn't look very confident uh, there as in barcelona at least uh, how do you have you uh at like an approach of that yeah it's weird right when you watch yourself back and i was actually saying this to amanda recently because we were talking about reflecting and looking at how we can improve for the next event and one of my best advice advices i don't know if that's terrible grammar it's been a long day one of my best pieces of advice is to go back and actually watch your very first ever broadcast and look at the mistakes and then when you look back on the reflection most recently like if we review barcelona for example yes there's obviously things that you can critique and improve upon but you also have such an appreciation of how far you've come and that allows you to see again the benefits and things so yeah when i go back and watch my older events now it's really a a sweet nostalgic thing um and i actually did it a little bit from barcelona because my first ever event for tpci was in bilbao in 2017 and then it was like oh we've come back to spain for my first official go broadcast uh, which i thought was was a really nice bit of symmetry going on um so when i look back at those it's pure nostalgia and it's really sweet and wholesome and then now when I look back at broadcast, it is more from a very critical perspective. For your first event, never be too hard on yourself. Just be happy you got through it and then start learning through it, I think. So we've talked a little bit about your casting portion, but let's talk about you as a competitor as well, because how are you doing in the, in the competitive scene? Are you still playing? Are you still being a part of that community or are you more just on the, the casting side of the bench? So with Go, I've always been an avid Go player from a casual perspective, so not so much the PvP side. That's only something I've really got into since becoming a commentator. Um, Because beforehand, I'll be honest, I just didn't understand it. It was the very stereotypical tap button, super effective moves, let's shield. And then when I studied up for Warsaw, I had a lot of calls with some Go judges and some friends who play PvP. And as soon as I saw the maths behind it, I think my brain broke just the split second decisions that players have to make and the calls and the reads it's just it's too much for my brain it's it's incredible so i i play pvp and i like to particularly when i come away from event i always like to try and get a pokemon in game that's kind of nostalgic so for example from malmo last year i made sure afterwards i went and got the best glide score i could get because of zephy for example, um, and then I tried to get things like Alone and Sandslash and always Pokemon that I'm inspired from the event to be able to get, I try and put in my team. Um, so that's always quite a nice thing. But I wouldn't say I'm any good at PvP, but when I do manage to like bait something or catch a like switch in and catch a charge attack, I do give myself like a little bit of praise <laughs> because I'm like, it's once in a blue moon. 
I mean, you say you're not very good at it, but didn't you beat uh, Barris, your husband? And he actually seems decent at Go. I've watched him play a couple of battles, and he's he beat Adelian. I mean, he's he's beat people who actually are in the competitive scene. To be fair, I learned the hard way with Barish, where whenever we play any competitive Pokemon game, whether it's Pokken, TCG, or anything like that, he always wins. And it's because we play best of threes, because sometimes I'll get lucky and win game one, and then he'll be like, it's best of three. And because he has this amazing skill at adapting and you know reading the player as well as reading the game, I stand no chance in a best of three. So with Pokemon Go, I insisted we would just play a best of one. <laughs> and so I won, and then I was like, I'm out of here. I, I'll take that win and run. So, yeah, I, I managed to, to beat him there. And I, I enjoy playing on the ladder, particularly when you, I'm playing a more standard team that I've seen and learned from the broadcast and you come up against some some really wacky Pokemon choices. You can you can learn a lot. But it's nice as well when I come up against a more standard team because you can actually put yourself in that competitive scenario a bit more and really start thinking through, OK, so they've got a lantern on the field. I know it's going to have Sparkle Water Gun as its fast move. Whereas sometimes some Pokemon come out and I'm like, what do you do? <laughs> Makes sense. Um, hopefully you'll get to showcase your skills sometime during a caster battle. Um, <laughs> anyway, have you been competitive in VGC, however? Yeah, so I played the competitive VGC series throughout all of 2017. Went to all the internationals and things like that. It was basically a kind of year of travel for me. And Pokemon gives you these amazing opportunities to go do that. So I went around and I just played very casually. I wasn't looking for any championship points really or anything and then somewhere along the line i in the oceana international championships i managed to make day two which was incredible i'm still very confused but porygon z is a beast and is amazing and then after that i kind of went to some regionals did did well got cp here and there and then it basically came down to naic um and the week before was birmingham regionals and i came away from birmingham regionals with 120 cp and then I realized that if I go to NAIC, which I was going to the following week, if I get top 64, then I would qualify for Worlds, which had never been on the agenda, had never been on the plan. And this is why I don't play competitive anymore, because as much as I enjoy it and it's really fun, and I'll do a couple of regionals here and there, I really panic under pressure. And I, as soon as I know that something has anything on the line, if that makes sense, I, I can't play, and I came something like 66th, 67th at NAIC, no. and I needed top 64. And yeah, I, I was very gutted at that. Um, and it's happened to me before. At Birmingham, I was on stream against a really good player, Matthias, I can't say his surname, Schuschildowski. I should be able to say that now. I've lived in Germany two years, but I can't say it. Um, but he, I won game one very convincingly, and then I just completely fell apart in games two and three. So it, it have, I'm just not good under pressure at all. But I enjoy competitive VG. I understand the game very well. And there are some games where I'm playing out of my mind. And then when it gets towards like this next game, you top cut or this next game, you win money. It just doesn't happen. I, I can't. Can't do it. I feel like we're, we talked about this a little bit in Barcelona as well, even on the stream. It's like if you win game one of... Uh, it's hard to to change your play style after that. And if you lose game one, then your confidence is completely shook. Uh, I, I'm the same way, Luz. It's, it's like, normally I have a pretty good idea of what I think my opponent is going to do game one, and I can probably take that one. But then the the mind games just go completely out of the, the window for me. I'm like, oh no, they're going to completely change. Should I change? Oh no, should I stay the same? Uh, maybe, Martin, you can weigh in on how you can stay so 
cool and collected and win even after a first uh, game loss. Yeah, how do you do it? Teach us. <laughs> well, there's there's two things that I have, of course, which is I've been streaming for, I think, almost three years, right? So basically, I'm kind of used to people watching me, right? Um, they, I don't want to brag, but sometimes I, I do get up to like 400 or 500 viewers that, and, and, and I'm just miserably failing, right? <laughs> that happens, right? And it can happen at regions as well. So even though the nerves really get to me, I also am used to them maybe a little bit, right? So that helps. Sure. And on top of that, how many battles have I done? I don't want to look it up right now, but way too many, right? So um, there's definitely those two things in experience of dealing with the pressure that a lot of people are watching and the experience that just comes with so many having so many battles played right it gives me an experience in you know adapting to i think that's one of my strongest points adapting to what the other does right basically the mm. opposite of what amanda has um i yeah. lose game one usually <laughs> i usually lose game one and then I have a feeling of how my opponent plays, and I can adapt to that. And you know, it doesn't always work, uh, otherwise I would have won a regional, of course. But, yeah, I, I feel like uh, that's something that comes with experience, maybe. That's probably true. Do you, I mean, there was a discussion that uh, some casters were just having, and I'm interested in both of your guys' weigh-in on it, because Go is very different than the other Pokemon games, I think. But mm -hmm. a lot of times with Pokemon Go, You'll see on Twitter or you'll see on someone saying, I'm looking for scrim partners who are not attending X regional, you know, because they don't want to play against the people that they're potentially going to play against. They don't want to reveal maybe their team compositions or the movesets that they have. What are your guys' thoughts about that? Do you think that it's important to play against the people that you would play against then? Or it's like, no, no, I have some hidden things that I want to try to do in this tournament. Lou, you can start. <laughs> I think it's a mix. Like... You don't want to reveal a team. I would say if it's a team that you've built yourself and it's a bit unique and you want that surprise factor, then yes, you don't want to play against anyone who's necessarily going, but that doesn't mean that you can necessarily trust the people you're playing against not to steal, you know, leak information. So I would say in those situations, it's if you're bringing something really unique and you want to keep secret, then hopefully you've got a team building group or a group of friends that you can just, you know, battle against and train with. And they can build the most common cores and matches and just practice against them. But I'd say if it's a more standard team, for me, I would just battle against anyone I could get best of three practice in. Because the ladder is great and everything, but the actual endurance of a best of three tournament, and obviously with Go, sometimes it can be best of five if you make those finals. You can't practice that without practicing it, if that makes sense. And that's not something you can do by yourself. You need to get as many best of three matches in. So I'd say if your team isn't that unique, doesn't have any cool text on it, then just battle with everyone you can. But by sure, if you want to keep it a bit more secret and you can trust the people, then sure, do that. Like, find some competitors. Yeah, I think it's... Uh, I'm usually practicing with the people I might play against later, right? So within... Yeah within Europe, like a mind joke and a Toe Tactical. Those are good players that also have pretty high odds of getting far in the tournament. Those are the ones I usually practice with. And I see it both ways. Uh, maybe they gain knowledge on me. I also gain knowledge on them. So that, that kind of evens out, I guess. Uh, it's, it's a pretty trusted, trustworthy group, so I, I don't count on them leaking any strats. And I can see that back in my results as well, right? Usually... 
the ones who know me know my team as well quite far beforehand or at least some of the picks that i will bring but like for example at eyc i got to top 16 and i use the same team in hartford and i got to top four so uh i guess e either everyone who played at hartford never heard of me and had no idea what i would do um or it just doesn't matter and it just works yeah i think someone said something at uh Barcelona and it, it stuck with me and they're like yeah I didn't want to do too many practices against like certain people because then you're playing against the player and not actually against the team mm. and so I wonder if that sometimes is a little bit of the thing as well because GOAT is very much like that I mean even if everyone ran the same team it's not the that they would run it the exact same way and it's not that yeah like not everyone catches like Andres does and not everyone uh it's definitely makes that. fun expressions like uh, Martin does. I, I like the fact that he can like beat. You can be so expressive and still like so concentrated is mind-boggling to me. It's like I either have to play in fun mode or I'm like playing in panic mode. Well, <laughs> if, if if I lose, I might as well you know make the best out of it. So <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but I I do agree with I don't I I indeed hear that heard that as well in an interview. But if you practice against the same person over and over and over, they will play the way they play. Yeah, that's why I like the practice tournaments. Uh, let's do some self promotion. The practice tournaments that I do every Thursday, uh, I like those more because I get to play other people and they play mm -hmm. different, right? So I do agree with that. If you play against the same person, whether they use the same team or not, you only practice against that person and their play style, not against others. I think one thing that I was thinking about from Barcelona is like, yeah, I, I mean, Zwilis, he lost to Pataman. Yeah. And then, I mean, he was able to to flip around and reverse that. And that was, I mean, a little bit of team comp, but also a little bit of like learning how a certain player plays, kind of like you we were just saying. Uh, I want to circle back to one thing at Barcelona because Lou and I have been getting some crap about it. And that was the adorable setup. Lou, do you want to walk us through what sort of happened? Oh, that was really good. <laughs> This is a classic case of when you're when you're just chatting with Amanda behind the desk. You're not really paying attention to the screen, and we were just talking about I can't remember what the co the conversation was beforehand, but we were we were talking about specific Pokemon, and we were trying. I think we had to like stall a lot of times. We were running out of conversation topics, and Amanda and I kind of looking at each other and trying to reassure each other that we got this. We're gonna keep going through the stall time. Like, let's talk about how adorable the Pokemon are, right? And we haven't realized that the screen has changed back to the stage. And it's now looking at the players. As I say, and speaking of adorable, wanting to talk about Pokemon, and when I go look at the screen to look for a specific Pokemon, we just see two players. And um, Just like this close-up of Maxi's face. And speaking of adorable, and I was like, yeah, I, sorry, Lou, you're on your own. I, I have nothing oh, yeah, to say. You left point. me out to dry there. <laughs> But I mean, that was oh. that was some great Pokemon choices, and I think the two players have definitely taken it in their stride. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Yeah, I I think they uh, they watched it back and found it uh, quite amusing as well. I don't think uh, <laughs> <laughs> that was fine. The words. I much wish we could it. see the B-roll of our faces during <laughs> that realization. <laughs> Because we were gone, like we were. I actually watched it back, and I'm surprised you don't hear us giggling because we definitely were. Yeah, it's like I, I was like, just you can't say anything. I'm gonna lose it at this moment, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was bad. But it also, it was also adorable. Adorable all yeah. around. <laughs> yeah. Um, have you felt? Do you feel like the more you cast go, that you mm. become 
better at it yourself or mm. that you learn a lot what? more, right? I, I know, like, if I may say, mm. you, you brought your iPad with uh, all the mods on it, right? All the Pokemon on yeah. it. And, uh, you know, you had all the counts on it, I believe, as well. The movesets, uh, right? That's yeah. good knowledge to, to bring with you. Mm -hmm. does, does that that kind of information stick with you? Like, uh, is that something you... I don't know how active you play, like, Go Battle League, but you take that information with you in it. Yeah, I, I do that with VG and everything as well, um, because I have the memory of a fish. So there's certain content that really sticks with me and certain stuff that doesn't, and it's always numerical data I can't remember. So, for example, like with Pokemon Go, with every event, I learn more about the Pokemon and the movesets and updated movesets and just also the matchups and things like that. So that's stuff that I learn and study over time. But where that amazing sheet is with the counts, because I'll just forget how long a move takes to charge up. And I like being able to throw in specifics like that for knowledge and content, and particularly as discussion points. So often what will happen if we're stalling time or anything, then I'll look at that sheet and be like, right, that Pokemon we saw recently, let's discuss it a little bit, discuss the move pool, have a conversation about which fast move we prefer and things like that. So it gives me, at the minute, knowledge-wise, a little bit of a backup when there's stall time. But the main reason I have it for the matches is just for those counts because I can't remember the numbers. And I have it with VG as well, a lot with the base power of moves or accuracy. Because one thing with VG, I really like to be able to do is say things like that, that move's only 85% accurate. I could just say it's not the most accurate of moves, but I like to be that bit more precise and give that information. And just off the top of my head, particularly when you're working like a 10, 12 hour day sometimes, you're not going to remember that information and I want to be able to still do it. So just having it there if I need it has become like just a really reliable source of information for me. But definitely with each event, there's more that just stays in my brain, just just not the math side. I, I, I have to ask Martin if you did this too. Do you call it math or maths, Martin? Uh, well, we call it different in Dutch, that's for sure. I don't use that word <laughs> a lot. I guess the no? maths. Okay. I know it's a, it's a difference between British and American English, but yeah. it makes me giggle every time I hear someone say maths. I'm like, that's so wrong. It's <laughs> math, right, in America. Yep, it's just math. I, I do yeah. think that British English is the correct one, that, that, that I should say. <laughs> Sorry, we're going to have to cut you out here. <laughs> <laughs> this was the first time that you guys had uh, the opportunity to cast together as well. Oh, like, I got to cast with Lou and Malmo. Um, what was the experience like for you guys, right? I mean... You never forget your first. Oh, you never do. I, I loved it. I was kind of sad we didn't get more games together because I was actually saying this to Martin at the event. There's the slight risk that as he's explaining things, I'm just listening and I just wanted to keep going. You know, I'm like, you don't, don't mind me. You please just educate me more. I'll take my notes. I'll like get everything ready um, because you just have such amazing knowledge. And like I said earlier, you put it in such a clear and coherent way for the audience that as someone who is working with you, you give me so much information that's A, knowledgeable, and B, then as a more play-by-play -play commentator, I can then ask more questions on or build from. And as a commentator, that's always so appreciated because there's nothing worse than your partner not having anything to say and dropping a sentence on you without anywhere to go. So you have to pick up like a new conversation. And with you, that never happened because even if you'd finished something coherently, I could link into it and then bring a question back to you about a different Pokemon and then you could tell me all about it again. Um, and I never felt, and I mean, I hope it never felt this way where I would ask you a question and you'll be like, that was a horrible question, Lou. Why did you ask me that? I don't know anything. You just had an answer for everything knowledge-wise and that makes you an incredibly valuable analyst caster. 
Well, I told you before, and you can ask me anything. Yeah, and I did. <laughs> um, so, man, what did I want to say again? Um, one thing that I do hope is that the viewers also uh, think that way of it. But it's, it's kind of difficult as well, right? Because a game sometimes goes so fast that yeah. uh, in the meantime, someone makes a play and I have to interrupt myself. And it's sometimes a little bit difficult to stick with that. I actually, uh, on my first cast, I think what you said there was like, you know... Um, well, what I what I what I what I did in Liverpool was that Leo was not uh, as knowledgeable or too familiar with some of the PvP mechanics, right? Mm -hmm. And I did ask him like a specific question, like, uh, "Can you explain to us what an ABB strategy is?" Right? <laughs> At the time, I had no idea. I was like, "Oh, that's such a fine question to ask," but you know, what if he didn't know, right? Uh, yeah, I, I don't want to make. Saw him, uh, you know, look look less knowledgeable like that. Good thing he did explain it perfectly, actually. Uh, but he said, like, when I brought it up in Barcelona, that you know, it did panic uh, at that time. So, um, yeah, I I think that's something I focused a lot on when I was casting with you. That I didn't want to go too much on a ramble with my analysis. That I don't want to ask you too many in depth questions there too. Um, mm -hmm. I think that went pretty well. And one particular thing that I had with you. Um, I, I don't like trusting other people a lot with specific things, but with you, I think if I drop the mic suddenly, out of nowhere, you can just pick it up, like, easily. And I, I love that. I felt so leaned back in Barcelona oh. when, when yeah. you were hosting or, or, or I was casting. Well, with the casting, I probably ramble on about analysis, but, uh, you know, right, especially right. when hosting, you know, you were perfect for that. I was happy with how the hosting went because we kind of got thrown into it a little bit and kind of we didn't get as much rehearsal time as we wanted. Um, so things were definitely a little bit on the fly, let's say. And we completely crushed it, I think. It was really good. Even on the last day when we had to run from the award ceremony back to the stage and we made it just as the cameras went live. Like, you know, it was teamwork for sure. And we just, I, I felt like we really supported each other. We had some good synergy and... Yeah, it was it was an awesome squad to be honest. I loved it. I know that uh, BG is your baby, and I'm not going to make you choose sides. But uh, what are some cool things that you like about the Go community that maybe you hadn't seen before uh, starting to cast with us and stuff like that? Gosh, you know what? There's there's so much praise that I can give to the Go community, and I think. For me, one of the big things has been the welcome that I've personally received, because obviously I've come in and I'm not a PvP player. I haven't, you know, come up through the circuit. I kind of got put in to support as the grassroots stream is being established and then have kind of been hanging around, but hopefully not as like a bad smell. Um, you know, hopefully there there is some value there. But I think the thing that's been so lovely is that the commentate the the community are coming up to me as a commentator and giving me very honest feedback, and it's been so appreciated that I get the sense that people want me to improve and want me to do well because they kind of plan for me to be around, um, which has been really lovely. And just the way that you guys have your socials in the evening and just have so much respect for each other, I think is a really lovely thing. We have the same in VG, but I think the VG pool is so big at the minute that it is hard to hard to know where to start sometimes, maybe as a newcomer and possibly because there's so many, you can't you can't have just one big social, for example. It, you just physically can't fit that many people in a room. So it's been just so lovely getting to know people from different 
levels of PvP from different walks of life. I think that's been a really, really lovely thing. And the the humor is untold with particularly you on the desk, Amanda. I, I have loved how much fun that we've been able to have. Because again, like me not knowing so much, just being able to sit back and have a bit of humor really reminds me of, yeah, some really good times in VG as well. So it's nice to be able to have that no matter where I go, that there are, there are cool people on the desk. I think you made a nice point about VG is so big that even if they do kind of have this stuff, and this is the the growing pain part of Go where it's like, I love the fact that even if someone new came, that they yeah. will go to the social most likely and they will meet a lot of people of the community. That's super cool to me. But at the same point, I really want to see Go grow to be as competitively large as the other things. But I know within that, we will also probably lose some of this connected dynamic i don't know it's it's but it's, it's going to be interesting it's different because you've already got it you've already got that community aspect vg kind of ha didn't grow from that if that makes sense everybody mm -hmm. kind of knew each other but the level of dedication that players have to these socials and i think the fact that go is a social game is True. kind of a usp for that game so you can come together and you can trade pokemon you can catch pokemon you can raid together particularly with the new cool kind of raid system they've got at regionals for example and getting you know the world champions team just creates such a like sense of community even though there's already such an amazing sense of community and that's not something that you necessarily have in vg you don't go out and catch pokemon together you don't go on walks and actually socialize so even if and again i hope the group grow the go community grows as well but i think because you've got such a strong foundation that community aspect will always be there fair yeah i i do agree um i kind of like the way things currently are with the so like like that you have a particular group of people that's enough to fit in one social right basically <laughs> that um i do have one sort of in-depth question for you too. Mm -hmm. how likely do you think that it is. We will see a Gastrodon oh. in the next regional tournament. I mean, I've been told it has potential. It was the talk of the town, talk of the city in Barcelona. Everybody was talking about Gastrodon. I heard lots of positive comments that it's one move pool away from being legendary. I think, it, no, I think it was one away from being possibly acceptable. No, legendary <laughs> is what I heard. You know, just, yeah, it, the mic might have glitched out, but. <laughs> All I'm hearing is that it's going to take one change and it's going to be broken and busted and MVP and it's probably going to get banned. It's going to be so strong. I, I just don't think that people are quite ready. Um, so we might have to wait a little bit longer. But Gastrodon is ready. It's in the wings. Only the green and blue one, I have to disclaim. If you're running the pink <laughs> one, you have no chance of doing anything. But if you're running that blue and green one then winner's bracket all the way. That's going to happen. This makes perfect sense to me. Yeah. yeah. Everyone's going to run carving and then we have Gastrodon. Yeah. Who needs there a carving? Who needs a Swampert when you have a Gastrodon? I mean, it would do pretty good against a Lowland Sand Slash. That's pretty it better right now. It against everything if you try hard enough. <laughs> you just got to believe in the little slug. It, you can. You can. I literally, I remember at the um, the 2022 Pokemon World Championships, I had the pleasure of being able to commentate the grand finals for VG, Masters finals, and Gastrodon, the green and blue slug of champions, won. And there was myself and my co-host at the time, Lee Provost, and we literally, you could hear us being like, it's the slug that had a dream, it's the slug that could, it's now a world champion. And it is, and you can't argue with that, just because it's a different game. 
doesn't mean that it is not perfectly entitled to being a world champion again. I said it. I like that you had the, the plushie of it on the desk at Barcelona. And I was trying to petition, but the, uh, the production people told me we couldn't do it. I just wanted to have it slowly move across the screen. Yes. So each time like it came back to us, it was like in a slightly like different position, but just making its way across. But they were like, no. I should bring, I have like four or five gastronom plushies. So maybe at the next event, we have one on the desk. And then the next time I'm there, there's two, <laughs> and then there's three, and just slowly an army. army of gastroton. <laughs> yeah, it, it's one thing. It, it's a hill I will die on, I'm afraid. Yeah. You'll never you'll never be able to stop me talking about gastrodon. Me and him are so bonded. So if you ever compete and go, we can uh, almost guarantee that we'll see it on the team is what you're saying. It'll be on the team. Whether it gets off the bench or not will depend on the matchup. Sure. But it's going to, I think, um, terrify its opponents. Hmm. It's going to be great. All right, if you say so. Um, I don't know how much you can go in depth on this, but will we see you in the future? That's the plan. I hope to be able to obviously do some more commentary this year, and I am hoping to be able to split between video game and go. So obviously, everyone will know when we know kind of vibe. Um, but one thing that I am hoping to do is play in one of the regionals. So I will be going to the German regionals um, and competing at both of those because they're two that, regardless of what casting opportunities may come by, I want to compete at those ones because I live in Germany and it's just, it's always nice to kind of, I don't know, play those events, I think. And I think as a commentator, something that I've always done from the VG side is I've always played one regional a year. Like for this last season, I played in San Diego. Um, I'm actually playing Portland next year. I don't know why I keep going to America for for regionals. Who who would who would do that in Adequance? Who? Um, but, Not me. Um, I'm going to Canada. <laughs> but it but it happens, and I want to play one go event. So it'll either be what well, what's the next one coming up? Is it Stuttgart. Yep, Stuttgart in December. That, I think. That's the first yeah. German one, yeah. We have yeah. Stuttgart and Dortmund. Uh... Yeah, that's the other one, Dortmund. Which was actually the first ever time I travelled for Pokemon was Dortmund Regionals in 2016, 2017. Um, the first time I ever came to Germany, and now I live here. Um, but yeah, I'm going to do VG at one and then go at the other, hopefully. So we'll see how Gastrodon's move changes are happening. Um, and maybe that will decide which one I do where. But I'm hoping to play because I think it gives you, no matter how terribly you do, um, all well is sometimes it, it does turn out in my case, you still get so much experience and you get to have that perspective that you can then bring to your commentary, which is valuable. I honestly think if you don't go out and play a little bit, um, you will always be missing some kind of perspective. That's true. I, I also want to potentially try to play this season. We'll have to see for sure. I don't want to put any actual promises out there because my time will probably yeah, hold me to oh, it then. I will. <laughs> oh, yes. I will keep this in mind. But yeah, we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> And you're gonna bring Gastrodon, right? Yeah, well we'll again we'll see. See how anything is anything is possible this season. That is true. Stranger things have definitely happened. So Lou, we have one last question for you. Um, and it's the staple question of our channel. And I'm gonna ask you, who in this PvP Go community do you think is a crab brawler? And we're Raising these people as people who maybe aren't super well known, but they have a lot of potential. And like you've maybe seen them play or seen their name, and you're like, they have a good shot of, of qualifying. And then who in this community is a champion? And this is someone who's 
you know, probably competed in the past in Worlds, has won a regional, or do you think that might even win it in this upcoming season? Ooh. Okay. My Corolla. Trying to think. For me, so I remember I was actually going to come on this podcast a, a while back before Barcelona, and I have my answers lined up for this. But the issue is my answer is the Corolla would probably be my Nauma champion, which was Tomahawk UK. Okay, yeah. Because he'd come runner-up in Warsaw, but then hadn't really done so well in, you know, future events. And I know Worlds didn't exactly go to plan. So he was going to be my, like, one you shouldn't count out and ones to keep an eye on. And then he came to Barcelona and did fantastic. So I feel like that would be a, a bad play for that one. Um, so I'm trying to think who's up, who else I would have as an up-and-comer. The other adorable guy, maybe? Again, he did so well. <laughs> I love how we, we just know who we're talking That's, about here. They've they've been they've been branded. Adorable. That is that is true that he has been doing so well, but he has uh, not qualified for worlds yet. So he so, could definitely fall into that category. Yeah, so we can go with Maximilian. He did say that Barcelona was the best he placement he'd ever got. Um and then for my Machamp again, there's a few that are like hybrids. I, I, I love how you said that I'm someone who's got a lot of clarity and I'm definitely not being clear right now. Inadequance, I, if I said to you, I think it would be cheating being on the podcast, but we know that you are a superstar. No, no one ever says him, so he would love it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so inadequance, sharing the spot with someone who I think time is coming, which is a mind joke. Yeah, I can because do that. I'll take that. I'll I take it. Between a mind joke and Tomahawk UK, I think they're the two players who are going to come out and try and get that first spot because they're both so hungry for it. So between those two, because of how close they've come in the past and seeing the way that they're approaching the meta and making adaptations and just seeing the way that they're playing at the minute, I would love to see them win something regional level, international level, who knows. But they're, they're two players basically to keep a massive eye on. Um, and then Maximilian, yeah, he he will... Definitely be the Kribola trying to get even further next time. Cool. The adorable crew. We'll just call it that. Yeah, the adorable crew. Okay, that's now sticking. Wait, do I do, am I also in a crew now? Of course well, you are. Well. Everybody needs a mascot. <laughs> <laughs> you walked into that one. I should have not have said anything. <laughs> you can wear like a Diggersby outfit or a, a Gatling outfit. <laughs> Diggersby's not an adorable thing. Oh, yes, it is. It's very cute. Mm. I don't think adorable was the adjective used. <laughs> Pelipers. Pelipers. Pelipers kind of cute. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. I think, yeah, there, there's a lot of adorable Pokemon. Like, uh, like a flappy bird, right? Yeah. So there's too many birds. <laughs> but, yeah, little little Carbink's cute. No, no, we don't like the Pokemon here. No, but it's all sparkly and shy. Yeah, I think Sableye's very... pretty cute. Here she goes again. <laughs> My favorite. Whenever there's competition online, it's it's her favorite. So a, a lot of adorable Pokemon. True. All right. Um. Yeah. I think that uh, concludes our session for today. Thank you so much, Lou, for coming on. Uh, it was really nice talking to you. Oh, thank you guys for having me. It's yeah, I really appreciate it. And hopefully we all get to cast together and if not, hang out together soon. So woo! I'm gonna I'm gonna be in some events in the future, whether I'm playing or not. So let's all hang out. Yes, definitely. We're gonna hold you to that. And maybe we'll see some gastrodons on the field. 
Oh, 100%. You know it's happening. And I am throwing that gauntlet down to the viewers. Bring gastrodons to events. Just do it. Good things will happen. But what if they want to win? <laughs> uh, you, this is slander <laughs> to the smug. <laughs> okay, and on that wonderful note, we're going to call it an episode. We'll see you guys in the next one. Okay, thank you.